The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we radiate wakefulness with Charles Atfield, who's a former teacher, an avid meditator, and the author of Self-Awareness and Meditation, an advanced guide for meditators. Thank you so much for joining me today, Charles. Well, thank you. You're in Australia. That's correct, in Western (laughs) Australia, in the city of Perth. Oh my goodness, I've always wanted to go to Australia. It sounds absolutely wonderful. Mm. You've written this book, Self-Awareness and Meditation. Mm. I mean, does, isn't self-awareness kind of part and parcel of meditation? It's kind of what you aim for in meditation. It's the intention of a perhaps a deeper meditation. It's not just for calmness and peace and all this. That Some people think that's why you meditate, but it's more a case of connecting with your inner self. And yeah, that's the self-awareness that I'm referring to. And in the book, I tend to use the word self with a capital S to refer to soul or spirit and a small s to refer to the, you know, the personal self. So self-awareness is more aiming for the spiritual self rather than just the psychological self, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. We tend to call that the higher self, the inner being, the soul. There are many for it. Yeah. Right. So how long have you been in a meditation practice? Well, the earliest days, which might have been like an hour a week sort of thing, that would go back to when I was 19. So a long time ago. And it's kind of progressed, particularly... When I was in my 30s and I came across an Indian guru and went to India and then it kind of deepened and then it deepened even more later on when I came across another guru, an American guru, I would add, Master Charles Cannon, who lived in Virginia. And his focus was meditation. He had ways of helping you to meditate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you find meditation at 19? 
it was more just something I had to do because I was doing a course. I don't know if you've heard of the Rosicrucians. They're based in uh, California. And so you get four lessons a month. So you did one a week and that included a meditation at the end. So that's really how it started. That's interesting. Now, had you not come from a background where you were familiar with meditation? No, I was brought up in the church, the Church of England. So that would be more prayer than meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did your family think when you started getting into meditation? About my childhood family or my later family? Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> my mum... I think she was okay. She was more of a church person. My dad, he wasn't a church person, but I heard later that he joined the Rosicrucians and was doing their exercises without telling me, you know, in the background. So he kind of was interested. But my current family, they're not interested. I do have a meditation group once a week and my wife comes along and helps out. But she's not a meditator herself other than that that once a week with the group Uh, most people it's not their thing you know they don't really perhaps understand what the benefits would be maybe they're not ready for it I mean every experience has its time and uh, for me meditation was the experience whose time had come shall we say well isn't that interesting that you and your father both got into the Rosicrucians at the same time Mm -hmm. it sounds like you didn't know what the other was doing well, I think he joined much later on, but he didn't. Maybe, I don't know why he didn't tell me. Maybe he'd only just joined just before he passed away. It's something my mum told me later on. She said he'd be lying in bed and he'd have his arms outstretched or whatever, doing whatever exercise he was up to. But I really don't know why he didn't mention it. I wasn't living at home, mind you, at the time. So right. perhaps if I was, that might have made a difference. So from what I understand, you grew up in England and then later moved to Australia. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to place your accent. It's a little bit of both. Yeah, people ask. Well, Americans particularly ask. And I'd say it's an English accent with an Australian twang. (laughs) Australians say, what part of England are you from? And English people say, what part of Australia are you from? So it's kind of evolved. Yes. You must be one of those accent chameleons. Yes. <laughs> you pick yeah. up a bit of the... <laughs> I know when I was I... quite stunned. I say I was quite stunned the first time I went back to England and went to buy a newspaper and the shopkeeper said, Oh, what part of your Australia are you from? Like, what? I'm English. But yeah, you don't notice how your accent changes. And I only have to listen to other family members over there and I think, well, they sound different. <laughs> but yeah. It evolves over time. Evolves over time. Yes, when I lived in Switzerland, I spoke French with a Geneva accent. I don't even know how that happened. But it's just, you know, a chameleon. So I had some questions for you about your book. In Mm. your book, you talk about psychoanalytical meditation. Mm. So Mm. help me understand that concept. The concept came about through a man called Dr. Goal, and he wrote a book on it, and he also wrote a sequel and I came across those books in India where they were printed and I was quite fascinated with his ideas because he had a traumatic experience I don't know what age he was and it sent him into deep depression a friend of his he found a friend of his had had 
committed suicide basically and he went for years after that going through psychoanalysis for himself but at the same time he came across a guru i think it was who taught him how to meditate so then he was having psychoanalysis and he was also doing meditation and as a result he came to compare the two and to see how each can help you remove whatever complexes or obstacles you have in your personality that are causing issues and he ultimately came to the conclusion that meditation was the better way to do it I mean that's debatable but that was the conclusion he came to so in his book psychoanalytical meditation he explains how it all works so in the start of my book it's the second chapter I kind of have condensed what he taught and made it more readable for us Westerners, how we have different aspects of ourself and how we need to work with those and remove the egoic issues that we have and get back more to our true nature. So that's the psychoanalytical meditation. And it can be practiced during the day and considered perhaps during your meditation and it can also work the other way things come up in meditation you can analyze them during the day so it's an ongoing process of self-reflection why you are the way you are and how you can perhaps remove the difficulties that you have that help you to become more self-aware yeah i mean it sounds like the process of setting aside the ego mind so that you can in a way look at that basically yes I mean, people seem to think that you meditate and eventually you'll be in bliss. They forget that you have an ego, which has all its childhood conditioning and complexes and desires and needs and so on. And that these have to basically be dissolved or cleared before you can become self-aware. So having an understanding of how that works is beneficial. You don't have to study psychology and go into real depth but you need to know that this has to be cleared and meditation actually does help to clear it as you go on you become more aware of the issues they get brought to the surface the more you meditate the more you get taken to let's say peak experience you get taken to more than you've ever been before but for that to happen something has to give and it's usually this inner issues that you have that make way for that and clear and you become more self-aware more wakeful shall i say (laughs) well it sort of begins with mindfulness doesn't it it does yeah mindfulness is also being aware of what's going on all right having that presence and being present to Mm. what's going on so that you can notice these things Mm. and become aware that's right oh yeah yeah, wonderful. So is self-awareness meditation then its own thing, its own type of meditation? I put that in there. It's more the intention, I think, that you have in meditation. Your intention in self-awareness meditation is to become more aware of the self within, your authentic self or your inner self or whatever you want to call it so you meditate because you want to become more self-aware it doesn't have a particular practice as such it's really more why you're meditating right you know i'm a meditation instructor and leader myself and you know i find that many people have a goal in meditation of oh i want to reach my self i want to receive intuitive messages i want to become more intuitive Mm. but i find that 
that's kind of an end goal or an eventual goal. We've got to really start with that self-awareness part first. Well, and that might my question would be who's asking, who who wants that, who has that need, that desire. Right. <laughs> that's the ego. Exactly. <laughs> meditation is going to get rid of that ego ultimately. Or getting rid of it is not strictly true. It's rescripting it so that it's more a suitable vehicle for the, the soul when it comes through. Yeah, we don't want to get rid of that ego mind because it keeps us on track and keeps us safe. That's right. It keeps us in this physical world, basically. Mm -hmm. We just need it to be at the command of our inner self and rather thinking it's the command in itself. It has its desires, its wishes, it wants to accumulate, it wants to be powerful and so on. But we need it to be rescripted so that it becomes a useful tool for the inner self yeah yes. with meditation it's something we think we do ultimately it's really becoming more who you really are and i would go as far as to say that eventually you realize that it's not the ego that is the doer it's the inner self that's been prompting you all along to do this meditation because it wants to experience or reveal itself through you mm. That's kind of how I look at it. Mm -hmm. It's a good way to look at it, I think. And you've obviously come to that realization after years of meditating Mm -hmm. on it as well. And so you had been a geography teacher, also a teacher for learning disabilities. That's right. And how did you find that your practice, your meditation practice, did you find it helped with that? Or did you have any cross-reference at all? Well, I changed from being a geography teacher to learning disabilities after I came to Australia and really I think I'd had enough of teaching I wanted to get out of it and then what happened was there came a point when I decided to retrain myself and I learned about counselling and therapy and after doing that training I got a graduate diploma in counselling and I suppose that's the psychological component in the book is based a lot on that I went back into teaching with students with learning disabilities, which was more a student-centred education rather than a subject-centred education. And counselling really helped with that. And meditation, I think, helped with that because you become more an authentic person the more you look within and meditate. So it helped, for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it did. Did you ever teach meditation techniques to your students um i tried <laughs> but i'd have a class i'd like let's do some meditation for five minutes and obviously i didn't but there's courses out there that teach teachers how to teach meditation to these students but i remember i had this class I said right close your eyes and we'll just meditate for five minutes and there's one student who couldn't do that he was frightened to close his eyes because he was frightened of what he might come up with or see or whatever so no, I didn't teach it. Not the sort of meditation I'd like to teach, shall we say. It's right. Just be gather yourself and be ready to do some schoolwork. Something else that you address in your book is kundalini hmm. chakras in the body. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not sure I understand what the kundalini is. Uh, you help? Uh, it was in, I became extremely fascinated in the kundalini when I came across these books in India 
because you hear of people's kundalini experiences i don't know if you've come across people like i think deepak chopra or gopi krishna for sure and really the kundalini becomes more active or more obvious the more you get deeper into meditation the more you get closer to self-realization because there, there comes a point when you have what's called the involutionary cycle when you get more and more involved in the world all right and there must be some reason why we're here and i think it's to experience the world and physical life and so on but there comes a point when we think there's got to be more than this so we go on what's called the evolutionary cycle or path and we start working back towards self-realization that's on that journey that the kundalini well, you've got an internal energy i think they call it prana which is your inner life force but what a lot of people don't realize is there's a dormant aspect of this which resides at the base chakra that you know you've got seven chakras and the bottom one the root or base chakra is where it resides but once you become more on the spiritual path it gets activated and it starts to go through working through the chakras and your inner meridians literally transforming you from within so you could almost say that when you're a seeker on the spiritual path it's actually the kundalini that's working within you and guiding you but actually it's that inner energy that inner fire that will eventually take you to self-realization and it's fascinating to think that it's there in every human being even if it's dormant like it's part of our evolution that this should happen you know, it's not by accident. It's already there waiting for the right time to transform you from within. And people can sometimes feel the symptoms, sometimes not. They might feel burning sensations, tingling or whatever. But ultimately, it's the Kundalini that's doing a lot of the work. And I try to talk about it in the book. It's a difficult concept, but I've sort of talked about it because, again, if you're deeply into meditation and on the path, it probably, well, it would help to know that this energy is within you. And you may notice it working at times. But certainly when you get to self-realization, it's massively important. It's really what connects you with your inner higher self. Chakras, a bit more difficult to discuss i've got a chapter in there and i was looking at it thing i wish i could have tried could have made that more simple but it's not a simple topic but it's these seven vortices of energy within your system there are more chakras than that yes. but we refer to seven and from the chakras there's meridians and it's really through that that the kundalini energy works to uh bring them all in line and connect with each other and eventually right up to the crown chakra. Right, right. And just to energize these chakras, align, yeah. balance them, unblock them, right? Because yeah. they become imbalanced and blocked very easily. But I mean, like with the rest of the self-awareness book, you don't have to read those chapters. If they look a bit deep or heavy, well, put them to one side to later. It's reference material. You know, you don't need to know that to get on to other aspects of the book, but they're there because it could be valuable to some people. Yes, I think it's very valuable to know these things and to be aware of the energy in our body, that's mm. whether we're aware of it or not. 
So it's good to, yeah, have that, have that awareness. Also in your book, you talk about the mechanics of consciousness. Just mm-hmm. that. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I would like to ask you a few simple favors. First of all, please rate, review, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. You know, it sounds like a simple little thing, and it is, but it has a huge impact for us because it helps other people find us in the podcasting algorithms. I don't know how it works, but I do know that it helps a lot. Next, if you would subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, whether that's YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you're listening, just hit subscribe or follow, and that helps you and it helps us. It helps you because then you receive notifications when we have a new episode that's out. It helps us because again, algorithm, magic, I don't know what happens, but it helps. And then finally, you can support our podcast in a tangible way by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast, and then click on support the show. Now, we have a new feature too. We are now on Patreon. You can find us on Patreon. You can also find the link to Patreon when you go to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast. So on Patreon for $3 a month or $5 a month, you can support your metaphysical and spiritual growth. You can learn about upcoming guests and you can get early and ad-free versions of the shows. So please support us. This podcast is free for you to listen but we have costs. And quite frankly, they come out of my pocket. So if you like this content, if you get a lot out of it, please see what you can do to give back. Thank you so much. This was a, I say a concept developed by Master Charles Cannon, but he told me in conversation, he got it from, an I think it was a neuroscientist who came up with the idea originally. But what it is, is how within your brain, your mind, you have this cyclic process that helps you to evolve. If you go back to the theory that everything is one, you probably heard that many, many times. Oh, yes. But what we've done is we've entered into a world where it appears that not everything is one. You've got duality, you know, subject, object. You could say darkness and light and, and so on. So we live in a world of duality ultimately there is only one so when the mechanics of consciousness works what it does it goes through a cyclic process and meditation helps this of bringing you slowly back to the oneness but you go through you might meditate and you might create balance and you might feel really tuned in and you reach a peak within yourself that peak will lead to it's an evolution. You're more than you've ever been. And then you may, you may not receive some illumination with it. But what happens is you then find you go through a period of processing because mm-hmm. other stuff 
sometimes uh, you might feel you're fried or whatever and sometimes you just can't meditate because you're in a processing part of the cycle but that eventually will integrate and then the next cycle peak evolution illumination process and integration so mechanics of consciousness he really looks at oneness being the true reality duality being an illusion but a necessary illusion for us to experience what we're experiencing now but as you evolve more towards self-awareness this cyclic process gradually takes you more and more towards that oneness again basically wow so that makes sense (laughs) i think it does it does absolutely and there's a supplementary course Mm. as well yeah Yeah. what's that well that was something i developed many years ago a simplified version of it for my own meditation group at the time but when writing the book i thought well no I'll, i'll add to it and i put more in it so it actually almost provides a kind of summary of the book because it's going through meditation and things you can do the different lessons but it's really simplified version of what the book has that helps you get more into i suppose you could call it the self-awareness meditation which is understanding how it all works it's put in there and it can be used by beginners as well as advanced meditators beginners might find the book a bit heavy but look at it as a reference book Whereas advanced meditators like yourself would probably get a lot more out of the whole book. And I put it in there because I heard that Muktananda, have you heard of Muktananda? Have you heard of Muktananda, the Indian guru? No, I'm afraid not. He's famous and he spent a lot of time in America too. Indian guru. Oh, interesting. It was told that he had a library, but he kept it locked because he didn't want his students to go in and start reading all these books and getting all this intellectual knowledge without the experience to go with it. So he said, okay, you need to have the experience first, then look at the books. And I thought that's an interesting concept because we become what you could call intellectually enlightened. You know it all. Have you experienced it? And until you experience it, you realize that you kind of knew it, but it makes more sense when you've experienced it. So I was going to put that course at the start of the book. Okay, do the course first, then read the book. But I decided not to. I put it at the end as a supplementary course because not everyone's going to want to suddenly just go and do this course. And they've probably done a lot of meditation already. So it's put at the end as a supplementary course. And of course, you don't have to do it. It's there just in case you want to try it. Right, right. Well, in the book, you also include meditation pointers. Is that also Mm. with the course? Not really, not the meditation pointers. There's three chapters in there. There's mechanics of consciousness, there's meditation pointers, and there's understanding dreams. Now, those three chapters are based on my own experience, and I went for... I think seven years of personal mentoring with Master Charles Cannon. So that involved every month being given work to do and things to write about your meditation, write about your sleep, write about everything, basically. And then you talk to him for an hour, hour and a half, once a month, and he'd look at the whole thing and he'd tell you, give you advice and explain what's going on. So 
those three chapters are based on what his explanation of what was happening to me at the time and he might go a little bit ahead and say this will lead to this and this will lead to that so that's my own personal experience is talked about in those chapters and as explained by someone who really is a master of meditation even the chapter on dreams i think it's got about 40 dreams with their interpretations and they're based on the mechanics of consciousness or at least the fivefold cycle and i made a point of only putting dreams in that he had interpreted for me mm-hmm. or he was teaching me how to do it so i had interpreted it and he agreed with my interpretation i wasn't going to put any old interpretation in a book I made sure it was stuff that had been verified by an authentic spiritual master. A meditation master might be a better way to describe him. Whatever you experience in meditation, he has experienced it and can explain it to you. Because everyone experiences it differently and everybody has different you know, interactions with meditation. Yeah. Well, that's why I call it pointers. I didn't want to say this is what's going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. It's to me. And it may give some pointers to other people, but their experience will be kind of different. But I think there is a kind of consensus as what what happens. But you know, like the lights in meditation, I've got a section of that in mechanics of consciousness. I know someone else who's also very deeply in the meditation. He doesn't see any lights, you know. Mm-hmm. But I've explained it because I've experienced it, and that's how it's been explained to me. So it gives you that kind of personal touch, shall we say. It's not trying to say I'm better than anyone else. It's just this is what I've experienced. Your experience. And I was fortunate enough to be able to put my experience of everything from many years together in a book. You know, someone with far more meditation experience than me hasn't got around to writing a book. It wasn't their path. So, yeah. Who is this book for? Well, I've put in the title, Self-Awareness and Meditation, an advanced guide for meditators. So whether you've meditated once or you've been meditating for many years, it's a guide to what's going on. And like I say, it's a a reference book as much as anything. And you keep it to hand and look up what, you know, compare your own experience maybe with it. And that's one thing we often lack is being able to compare with other people. In fact, they, they actively persuade you not to if you had a meditation you don't go comparing experiences because people get jealous and think well why didn't i have that this sort of thing so it's not a good thing to compare but the book may give you some help shall we say yeah Yeah. just to know that what you're experiencing is normal it can be normal everything is under the umbrella that's right and really the more advanced that you become the more meditation becomes you you become that meditation you are meditating 24 hours a day naturally when you're self-aware and i try to i put that in the there's a little strap line that goes with the book i don't know if you saw it when they're promoting the book and it's a little sentence and it says rather than meditation being something you do meditation reflects who you really are Mm-hmm. and i've written down in interpretation because you know sometimes it's difficult to get head around explaining these things but basically i've written the statement reinforces the idea that meditation goes beyond being a simple action and becomes a reflection of your true self and suggests 
that it is this inner self that prompts you to meditate in order to gradually reveal itself through you. Mm. Yeah. And that is kind of like the essence of the book is kind of leading to that realisation that who's the doer in everything you do? We think we're the doer. Mm. Maybe that's a bit of a trick, you know? But anyway, who's the doer? And then another thing I've realised, particularly after considering our interview today is that wakefulness is an important player too the more wakeful we become the more self-aware we become the more our perception of the day becomes more clear and it goes along with the more you meditate the more you meditate the more power you build within yourself and you build power when you're asleep as well and this power is used becomes obvious in your wakefulness and your presence and I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of a real authentic master, but you can feel the energy. You know, that's their wakefulness, their power. And it affects you, it entrains you. And this is the power of being that issues forth from you. The more you meditate, the more wakeful you are. But it doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual process. That's why it's yeah. a practice. Mm. Yeah. Now you've got a website, charlesatfield.com, which right. has many resources on here, Destination Self, your blog, information about the Meditator's Guide, Self-Awareness and Meditation, mm-hmm. just a lot of helpful resources and information that's at charlesatfield.com. And where can our listeners find your book? Well, apparently it's in Amazon. Barnes and Noble I think have you got a book company called Indie yeah oh I love Indie yeah yeah and maybe other bookstores it can be found there or you can just go to my website and there'll be a link there that will take you back to the publishers and they'll have a link to Amazon and all this you choose which link you want yeah and you actually have a choice of either the hard the paperback version or the ebook version uh, I think personally I'd recommend the paperback version because it's nice to have it there, you know, when you're constantly referring to it, but ebook is a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, you know, you might be used to looking at a, a screen or something and reading your books, but I personally prefer to have have it in my hand. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> like the paper versions because they smell they yes. have a certain smell too that I love. <laughs> right, yes. So as they used to say in the commercials, wherever fine books are sold. Basically, yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Charles. It's been a real pleasure to learn more about self-awareness and meditation. Thank you so much. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com.
I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.